What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. On today's show, I've got a young man who started in this business when he was 17 years old. And now he's 21, but in the meantime, he has done maybe 100 deals total between when he got started and now. Um, last year, kind of struck out on his own and started doing seven, eight deals. And then this year, they got 18 plus that they've already done so far in 2023 and a 70-some percent profit margin. Absolutely insane. He talks about the transition that he made from last year, only making $4,000 to this year, a 70 plus percent profit margin. So I know you're going to want to listen to this one. So stay tuned and I'll bring out Colin Spivey right after the theme music. My name is Bill Allen and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping and this podcast is our playbook. What is up, everyone? We have an awesome show for you today. I've actually got a, um, not a 16-year-old house flipper, but uh, maybe not too far off, a an actual incredible story. Somebody who's been in the Mastermind Group for a while, got a lot of great things going on, and he's right here in Middle Tennessee, just outside of uh, Nashville. So um, right here, there's quite there's an amazing group of people here that are flipping and wholesaling houses, seeing a lot of success that most would be like, well, isn't it really competitive? Um, so we'll talk about some of that stuff today. We'll talk about kind of his journey from uh, where he was to where he is now, and even some real like struggles of um, some issues and things that you might be going through right now that you think there's no end in sight or you can't get past this. And he's going to share some of the tips um, that uh, that he did to get through all of that. So Colin Spivey is on the podcast today. Welcome, Colin. Happy to have you here, man. Thank you. Happy to be here. Hey, have you been on the show before? Uh, no, I have not. Okay. All right, cool. So uh, give everybody a little bit of background about you, maybe, just to start. Yeah. So uh, my name is Colin Spivey. I'm 21. Uh, I started in real estate almost four years ago, I guess. Uh, I was a senior in high school and started trying to find a property to Burr. Um, I had convinced my great-grandfather to lend me 150000 to purchase property. Uh, I was trying to figure everything out. It was pretty green. Um, was on MLS and everything like that and really couldn't get any traction. Uh, I got two properties under contract and both those fell out of escrow after inspections. And so um, after about six months of that, my grandfather got cold feet on it. Uh, and so I started trying to figure out how can I make money with I had about $20,000 saved up through high school and I was going into college. Um, started trying to figure out how to wholesale. Uh, I didn't really want to go to college. Uh, my parents really wanted me to, so I convinced my dad if he would co-sign a loan uh, for me to buy a house in Murfreesboro because I was going to MTSU uh, I, and let me house hack. I would go to college for at least a year. Um, and in that year, if I could make 75,000 or more, uh, then I had his blessing to drop out. And so, uh, I bought a house, house hacked, uh, ended up making over 75 grand that year and, uh, dropped out of school. And, um, that's kind of my quick summarized background of me. Uh, and then I just went full time in real estate after that. Okay. I got a couple questions. Um, yeah. 
you, <laughs> how did you make $75,000 that year? So, uh, I, there was about a six month period where I had just come to college. I was trying to figure out how to wholesale on my own. Um, I ended up basically spending my 20 grand, uh, on all kinds of marketing and software and learning and everything like that. Uh, and I had joined the runway program. So I was in debt, like another 15,000 trying to figure this thing out. Um, and so I was at the runway event january 2021 um and got a text i've been going to some local rias and everything i got a text from a guy asking me to grab lunch he was flipping a couple houses a year and uh wanted to grab lunch the next week and so i grabbed lunch with him and he basically proposed to me he was trying to scale his business um and he didn't want to bring on a bunch of overhead and so he wanted us to kind of go into business together he knew i was trying to wholesale um, and so we came to an agreement where we were going to work together for a year. I'd come into his business. Um, and at the end of that year, we would either, if it went well, we would partner in a real equity partnership or we would go our separate ways. Uh, so I came on with the agreement of any wholesale deal or wholesale deal was a 50, 50 split. And then if we ended up, uh, actually buying it and flipping it, it was an 80, 20 split. Um, so I came in and kind of started in that acquisitions role, uh, handled acquisitions, dispositions. Um, I started implementing a lot of different marketing and systems and processes around marketing. Um, and then I kind of took over a lot of operational side of things. Um, and so his main focus it was raising money, uh, managing rehabs, everything like that. And I was kind of handling the acquisitions, a lot of the marketing um, dispositions and everything that where that way, um, we ended up figuring out about halfway through the year about open door overpaying for properties like crazy in 2021. So we started doing a lot of wholesaling to open door and some of the other big hedge funds, the big eye buyers. Um, we had a goal of $300,000 in revenue that year. Uh, and we ended up doing almost $900,000, uh, between he had some other deals where he did a little bit more, but, uh, between what I brought in and everything like that. So out of that, I ended up making over 75 grand, uh, between my splits on everything. And so, yeah. So did you make, did you make half of that? Like so half of 900,000? Not all of it was half. Um, I made almost 200 grand that year. Whoa. Okay. So what were you, how old were you? Like 19? Yeah, I was 19. Okay. 19, 200 grand. That would have been dangerous for me when I was 19 years old. Um, uh, okay. So I didn't realize this. So you, how did you even know like what wholesaling was or, or what, who we were at that time? You said you joined yeah. the runway program. I didn't realize that I, uh, that I, we ate into your $20,000 in savings. So, yeah. So, uh, I, in high school, I had an eBay flipping business. I day traded stocks and then I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. And that's what kind of set me down the real estate path. Um, that led me into bigger pockets and some other like Jerry Norton, Pace Morby and some of those bigger, um, influencer type things. Um, and then I was actually sitting in a tree stand deer hunting that fall and I saw a Facebook ad. I was bored on my phone. I saw a Facebook ad for seven figure flipping. And, uh, it was the year that you had the virtual event. Um, and it was promotions for that ads for that. And so, uh, 
I texted a couple people and found one person that had gone to one of the events prior. They're like, they're pretty legit. Like it's not just a big guru type thing. Um, and so I ended up buying a ticket to the virtual event, uh, went to the virtual flip and live. And that's what kind of sold me into the runway program. Um, so yeah. Okay. Awesome. So that was, was that, was that October, 2020? Yes. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. That'd be 2020. Okay. October, 2020. Yeah. So it was, cause that was the only time we did virtual. I think we did that year. So that was the one with like, um, Annie Duke was there, the poker player. It mm-hmm. was, um, Walter was there. I had a bunch of, uh, yeah. John Andrasic came and, uh, the guy five for fighting played music on the piano and gave a presentation. It was that year. Okay, cool. Yep. All right. So you join, so you, why did you de- decide to join the runway program? I mean, you were like trying to do it Were you having trouble doing it on your own. What was the, what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. So I had been trying to wholesale essentially probably three months at that point, um, I was spending a lot of money on marketing and a lot of money on systems and processes and softwares and trying to figure everything out, spending a lot of money that I didn't need to be spending essentially. Um, and so I kind of saw it as an opportunity to buy a shortcut. So I was buying a shortcut where I was spending $15,000 for this mastermind and this program and everything but it was going to save me time, money, and effort on the back end of trying to figure out everything myself. Um, And so that's why I decided to join. Uh, Once I got into it, uh, I really liked the program itself, like all the online recordings on the Mastermind website and everything like that. But the biggest thing I ended up getting out of it was the in-person events, the relationships that were built, uh, being able to call somebody that maybe had done a few deals or done something that I hadn't done and being able to call somebody and say, Hey, I've got this that came up. I have no idea what to do. What should I do next? And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's why I ended up joining, uh, and the value I saw and that ended up getting from it. Uh, so the, recently I was in Chicago in the um, like foyer and Vanessa was down there. So I had just gotten to Chicago. We did an event last, uh, last summer, last July. It was like almost a year mm-hmm. ago now. And uh, I saw Vanessa in the foyer of the, of the lobby of the hotel. And I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, well, I'm down here because I have to check, help Colin check into the hotel. Like he, he can't, like sign for a hotel room. I was like, what are you talking about? He can't sign for a hotel room. She's like, yeah, apparently like you have to be a certain age, like sign for your key card. You can have a credit card. You can have a bunch of money. You can buy a hotel, but you can't actually like check yourself in. Maybe unless you're 21 or something. I don't know what the age is. Uh, But I was like, so you're down here like co-signing and then you guys showed up. I just thought it was ridiculous. I had actually never heard of that. So, um, and I, I don't say that to like any embarrassment or anything like that for people who are listening. It's like, this is someone who's in our community that at that time was like 20 years old. You heard like 19, 18, 19, 20 years old, uh, doing really well, successful, can't even check into a hotel room. Like it's really ridiculous what's going on out in the, out in the world right now. But, um, that's something I had no idea. So you have to be 21 to check in the hotel. Yeah. And so the reason I figured that out and I knew about that and set it up with Vanessa beforehand was because I showed up to flip hacking live in Orlando, 2021, uh, two days early and essentially it was, she was my, I think girlfriend at the time, my wife now, um, may have been engaged. I don't remember, but, uh, we showed up two days early cause we were going to go to Disney before flip packing live. 
showed up, tried to check in, and they're like, hey, you're not 21. We can't check you in. And uh, so it became a big thing. So I could I could stay in the room. I could book the room. I could pay for the room, everything like that. But I had to have somebody 21 or older. So uh, I we were there two days early. And so I was like, hey, who on the list is here? And they were like, uh, nobody's really here yet. Uh, oh, it looks like Steve and Casey Tackett are here. And so I was like, okay, I've never met them before, but maybe Adam knows them because Adam knows everybody. So I called Adam Whitney. I was like, hey, man, is there any chance you have Steve or Casey's like contact information? And so he was able to get a hold of Steve and have Steve come down and check me into the hotel. I had to, I checked in, but he had to stand there beside me while I checked in. They didn't have to look at his ID or anything like that, but I just had to have somebody beside me while I checked in. That was over 21. So that's why that's I crazy. set that up for Chicago. The funny thing is, I'd say everybody in there that's at the front desk and, and doing all these things probably doesn't even own their own home. And you could uh, buy and sell their house and everything like that, but you can't check into the hotel. So anyway, a yeah. uh, little anecdote that I thought was interesting and I had never even thought about, never even heard of. So uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're 21 now and you can check yourself into your hotel. Um, yeah, me too. Okay, you gave a presentation in Mexico um, about some things that were going on. Uh, lately, what happened last year, uh, some of the things that you saw, uh, maybe with the market changes and shifts and stuff like that. So do you mind sharing some of that stuff? I think it'd be valuable for uh, the people listening, maybe some lessons learned. You you talked about the kind of partnership that you had. And then what we didn't talk about is you going out on your own. Uh, so maybe tell that story and then some of the things that happened along the way. Yeah. So uh, at the end of 2021, uh, we went to Flip Hacking Live, the guy that I was partnering with and myself um and it was essentially a all coming up on a year that we had been working together so we kind of started talking about should we go into a true equity partnership a true partnership um or not and i guess that was the week before flip hacking live um and we went to flip hacking live i know uh we both spoke with you at one of the round tables uh we both spoke with mike simmons uh in the hallway at one point um, and kind of just decided that it probably wasn't going to be the best fit at that point in time for us to go into a true partnership. Um, so at Flip Hacking Live 2021, I was like, hey, man, like, I, if we're not going to go into a partnership, and like, that's fine, but I'm going to be going out on my own because I don't, I, I told them at the get go, I never wanted to work for somebody. I would work with them, but I wasn't going to work for them. Um, and so I ended up splitting out on my own. Uh, I wrapped up, I was, I stayed in his business for about another two or three weeks after flip packing live, helped wrap some stuff up, helped tan stuff off and everything. And so, uh, him and I are still really good friends and done multiple deals together this year. Um, but so we split up there. I went out on my own sometime in November of 2021, uh, and, had a good amount of savings. And so it was just, okay, I've got money in the bank. I need to go spend it on marketing and spend it and just start building stuff up. Um, so I went and just started spending money on marketing and hiring VAs for cold callers and everything like that. Uh, sent a little bit of direct mail and just a little bit of everything basically. Um, didn't have any infrastructure set up to handle that. Um, and so I was handling acquisitions, dispositions, the whole nine yards. I had a VA that was cold calling for me. Um, and 
my, I guess my kryptonite basically is being on the phone with people. For some reason, I like, it's just, I hate being on the phone with people. Um, and so I remember at the January event, I was in a hot seat room with you and I was like, we were talking about struggles and everything. And I was like, man, I've got like probably a dozen leads sitting in my CRM right now that I haven't even called yet. And you were like, well, why are you doing anything else besides calling those leads? You've spent money. They're coming in. Like, why are you not calling these leads? And uh, you kind of uh, put me in my place on that. And so I was like, well, I mean, you're 100% right. I just hate doing it. And uh, so we switched. Basically, my wife had gotten the COVID vaccine. Uh, she was my fiance at the time. She got her COVID vaccine and got a blood clot after the COVID vaccine and she was going into the medical field and everything, and she was in school for that. Uh, and with COVID, they you had to be fully vaccinated. They rolled all that out. And uh, so I ended up convincing her to drop out of school and come work in art, my business full time. Um, and so she came in. She was at, I believe she was at the runway event with me that year. Um, she came into the business and kind of started being essentially a lead manager and setting me up on appointments. Um so we started doing that. We were still spending a lot of money uh, on lead on marketing to generate leads and everything like that. And we just kept spending money. We kept trying to hire for an acquisitions uh, and spending more money on different marketing. And um, if you've learned anything from this podcast, it's just pick one marketing source and stick with it uh, because we would do something for three, four, five months. And we'd be like, okay, well, this isn't producing how we want to. And we'd switch to a different marketing source. And so we did bulk cold calling, bulk text blasting, niche cold calling, niche texting, uh, direct mail, Google PPC, Google SEO. We just, we were trying everything, but we didn't stick with anything long enough for it to actually work. Um, and so towards the end of that year, we we're getting ready to go to flip hacking live and Von Bethel had reached out to me about the top gun program. And so we hopped on an initial call and we kind of went through a lot of the different stuff that I was struggling with. Um, and he had a lot of good ideas about adjustments we could make. Um, one of those was going virtual. Um, I, we, we closed a couple deals, but it was very inconsistent. It was one this month, two this month, no deals the next month, no deals the next month, another deal here. So it was very, very inconsistent. Um, and we ended up hiring my mother-in-law to come on to replace my fiance as lead intake, lead manager, because we started sending a lot of direct mail. Um, that was going to be our thing that we were going to stick with. And sent a lot of direct mail and we brought her on. And shortly after that, that's when I had a call with Vaughn. And so she was setting me up on all these appointments. She was intaking all of the calls and everything and setting me up. And I was going on all these appointments. And I think in September uh, of 2022, I went on like 20 something, 24 appointments or something like that and had no contracts. And I was going on all these appointments in person and showing up and they would be telling me how much they loved Shenna, which is my mother-in-law that was uh, our lead intake, how much they loved her, how great she was. And I'd be there for an hour, two hours and leave with no contract. And uh, so Vaughn was like, well, dude, why don't you just go virtual and put her in the acquisition seat? And that was a big limiting belief for me. I didn't think I could do things virtually. Nobody's going to sell their house over the phone. 
Um, but after some thought and everything like that, we decided to go for it. Um, so we switched to going virtual right before Flip Hacking Live. At Flip Hacking Live, I joined the Top Gun program. Um, and we I joined Vaughn's Top Gun program. And so shortly, like the first thing after Flip Hacking Live that he made us do was get naked with our numbers. So he had a template and we had to go in and fill out all of our numbers. And I quickly realized like, we've been doing deals, we've been bringing in money, but we've been spending all of it. And so we, uh, we were at that point in time, we were in the red uh, for our, our, that year. Um, and so we were able to kind of save ourselves through the end of that year. We ended up netting right at about $4,000, uh, which wasn't great. I didn't feel good to have worked a full year and only net that much. Um, but we really got naked there and figured out our numbers. And so at that point in time, I figured out we were spend, overspending on marketing like crazy. I was not in the right seat as acquisitions. Um, and so we went switched to being virtual and moved uh, my mother-in-law into the acquisition seat. And I had always been Christian um, in my personal life, I guess, uh, and believed in God and prayed and everything like that. And, but I never, I guess, let him into business. Um, it was always just personal life. Business was business. That was my thing. I handled business. And so I remember after kind of getting like inputting all of our numbers in the template and seeing like where we were at, like working a full year and everything. I remember just like basically being in tears, crying and praying like one morning, like, Hey, I need you in business too, God. Like I need you in business too. And, uh, so that was, those were all about the same point in time. Um, and so we ended up cutting like all of our marketing and going very, very niche, low spend, um, with a heavy focus in pre foreclosures. Cause we had bought a couple of those that year, um, moved my mother-in-law into acquisitions virtually, uh, and I let God into my business. Um, and that was all kind of at the beginning of Q4 in that October timeframe. Um, and from that time point on we kind of built the foundation for our business in q4 uh we did a couple deals in q4 but nothing crazy um but once january rolled around that was when things really kind of started picking up for us um i think we closed seven deals in 2022 and i believe we've closed 18 so far this year um so big jump there and all of that i really attribute to getting very, very focused on our marketing. We were no longer all over the place with marketing. We got the right people into the right seats. Um, and I let God into my business. Uh, and so that was probably the three big things. And that's kind of what I talked about in Mexico, uh, that really were the big turning points, uh, for the business. Okay. So just to, just so I can kind of condense all this. So in, uh, October, 2021, you come to Flip Hacking Live, you and the a guy that you're working with, the business partner, basically, um, you guys say, wait, we're going to go out and do our own thing. You go out and start your own thing in November. Um, you get things going and you're seeing like a lot of zeros and ones like I talk about. Like you're not exactly sure. You're kind of throwing things at the wall. You're spending money. And it seems like you're making money um, on the surface. Like a lot of business owners, they're like spending a bunch. Their money's coming in. They're doing deals. They're calculating how yeah. much gross profit they're making, these kind of things. And then at the end of the year, 
um, end of 2022, around uh, Flip Hacking Lifetime, you join Top Gun, you go in there, and then you get to see, like, for the last 12 months, okay, where where are the fruits of my labor? And you find yeah. out you make $4,000. What was the top line revenue that you did for 2022? Do you remember? Like that? It was it was a little over 160000 um, Like Okay, so you bring in, like, 160 plus. 165 and it costs you 161 to bring it all in. And then you go, yeah. wait, what's happening? This, this math doesn't work for me long-term. Um, I'm working for free on top of that. Um, anything that goes wrong, one deal on the other side, we're losing money. Um, and then you do seven deals in 2022. Um, and then you ch- kind of change some things around based on some of Vaughn's inputs, um, some of what you saw. You let God into the business. I'm interested to hear what that looks like for you. And so far in 2023, we're in the beginning of May right now or middle of May, and you guys have done 18 deals so far. And you're 67% of the way uh, to your goal of 500K right now is what I've got here in my notes. So um, pretty amazing to hear that. What What are some like really tactical things that you saw and did. Um, do you feel like it was the market in 2022 that stopped you or do you think it was all of these other things? Um, and then what are some kind of tactical things that, that you did? Like wh- when you say I let God into my business, what does that look like on a day-to-day basis that somebody else can, uh, can think about? Um, and yeah. uh, on the marketing side, well, give me some, some stuff where you're actually putting some things into practice. Yeah. So I don't feel like it was necessarily the market in 2022. We were at kind of a weird point in 2022, but I know a lot of people kind of had a hard Q4 2022, but that was our best quarter that entire year. Um, I think a lot of it had to do with our marketing and sales, because as a wholesaling company, that's your two big things. And our marketing was very, very inconsistent. We were jumping around. We would stick with something just long enough that we could maybe expect results if everything went perfectly, but didn't stay with anything long enough that it should be working by this point. Um, so everything was three or four months, and then we were on to something else, some other marketing source. Um, whatever somebody was talking about on the marketing call, the weekly marketing call for seven figure, or whatever it was the new hot thing. That's what we, it was that shiny object syndrome. Um, and so we were jumping around with our marketing a lot and our, we didn't have the best salesperson in the world, which was, which was me. So, uh, we, I was going on appointments and everything, but I, I don't love people in a sense. Uh, my culture index, I'm a scholar, uh, and my, my B dot is like 3.75 to the left. Um, so I don't love people dealing with people. And so there were probably appointments that I didn't go on or we didn't set an appointment because I didn't want to go on an appointment. It wasn't like a flaming hot lead. And when I did go on appointments, there wasn't the best rapport being built. I'm very analytical and detail and numbers driven. And so a lot of times I would kind of not spend enough time on that side of things. And I would get right into numbers after walking around the house and lots of stuff like that, that kind of compounded and, prevented us from having a whole lot of success. Um, and so that was the main thing I attribute 2022 to not being very good, uh, was just marketing and sales were very inconsistent. Um, and so once we got very, very focused with our marketing and just went all in on niche, we all essentially all we do right now is niche cold calling and niche texting. So it's single line. We do most everything out of a spreadsheet, uh, very niche list uh, with a heavy focus in pre-foreclosures. Um, and we just 
cold call and text and we have our acquisitions rep take it from first contact made to contract signed. Um, and so we switched. Hey, around. before you move on, let me jump in. Yeah. Let me jump in there before you move on, because I think this is really important for the people that are listening. And because uh, here's what's going to happen. Everybody's going to listen to this and go, oh, Colin said pre-foreclosure, texting, single line. I'm just going to go do that. And what I bet happened, and I don't know the answer to this, but um, everybody, I, I talked about it this year in Mexico very specifically, is knowing your numbers, knowing the data, and looking back to see trends. So my guess is that you probably, when you looked at your numbers, you said, hey, these are the couple deals that we did. This is the niche that they fall in. What if we explore this at a deeper level and go all in on that to as this kind of thought, this hypothesis, right? And we're going to test that, yep. and then we're going to make an adjustment down the road. So these three words that I talk about all the time, hypothesize, test, and pivot. So um, instead of doing lots of different things on the surface, like scratching the surface of many things, what if we did this one thing and then we see if we can go deeper on it and to the point where we kind of hit the bottom of the well and then we say, okay, we need to add on another channel. Is that what happened? Like how did you guys kind of land on the list and the specific strategy that you're using right now? Yeah, so that's exactly what happened. Um, after we kind of really got naked with our numbers is what I like to call it with the Top Gun program. Um, I went through and started looking at, hey, okay, what deals have we done? What uh, what list do they come from? What marketing source? Everything like that. Um, and I think at that point in time, we had maybe done five deals that year because I think we did two more after that uh, before the year was up. But so I looked at that and it was like three of the deals, over half of the deals that came from very niche and it was they were pre-foreclosures. And we weren't really focused on those at all. We did those kind of on the side and it just wasn't a big focus of ours. And so uh, we kind of hypothesized, hey, if we cut out all the other distractions um, and go just all in on pre-foreclosures and try to be the best pre-foreclosure marketer in Middle Tennessee, what's going to happen? And uh, so I got kind of everybody on board with that um, and we decided to go for it. And, um, someone had said at the Mexico mastermind, they mentioned like we essentially burned the boats. And so that's kind of what we did. We burned the boats behind us and we just went all in with the thought that we're, we're either going to make this work or we're going to go out of business. Um, and so we went all in and just dove deep and head first into it and just hit the ground running. Um, and it took three months of us like testing and hypothesizing, testing, pivoting, and just over and over and over with pre-foreclosure specifically. And just over and over and over, just trying to make everything better, like just little bit by little bit. Um, and in that Q4, once we kind of switch everything to that, I think we closed two deals out of that. Uh, but like I said, it kind of set up the foundation in Q4 for us to really hit the ground running Q1 of 2023. Um, and so, yeah, essentially that's exactly what we did. We saw kind of what was working for us and what wasn't working. And so we cut out everything that wasn't working and just went all in on what had been working that year. I love that. So if you're listening to this, here's my advice to you. You go back and look at what you've done. So take, take an assessment of the deals that have come on. If it's a zeros and ones game, then look like what Colin did on average, like, it seems like we're getting quite a few from this area. And if we're spending a ton of money getting individual, like single type results, 
then why are we doing five different things just to get five deals? What if we did one thing and got three deals, right? Or one thing and did two and a half or two deals or three deals or four deals. And so as you, and then you can go deeper and deeper and deeper, and then you can get 10 or 20. Like what Colin was saying, they did seven in 2022. And so far in 2023, they did 18. And that's all on a focused path. Like they're focusing on the thing that they they can do best. And then you can become a master of that. And so then it, it might take a little while to get going. And what most people do, you said it took three months. What most people do is they quit after month one, month two, maybe two and a half months. For me, it was uh, like four and a half months to get my first deal. And so most people would have quit by then. And that's what I needed. I just needed four and a half months of a runway, get that first one. And the next, next month I got two and then it was two more. And then it was three and then it was five. And it just started to really kind of compound. And it's all the work that's put in in the beginning. So if you don't have that data, then you're just going to have to make a hypothesis. Like, hey, this is an area where I want to try. This is an area where I feel like I could be a good steward and a good resource for somebody. Maybe you've been through a divorce. And, and what I do is I usually say, like, how many of those leads can I get? Like, is there enough? Now, if there's only like, if you're talking about probate and there's like three probates in your county every month, then there might not be enough for larger volume as you want to start scaling, but there's enough to get started. And so that's, that's the advice I always give. It's like, just pick one marketing channel, go really deep on it, like figure out how to master it and then add another one and then add another one. Don't go start with like four or five and just kind of dip your toe in each of them because you're going to come up with goose eggs and then you're going to say this doesn't work. You spend a bunch of money doing it. Okay. What about, uh, what about letting God into your business? What does that look like? And, and how can you give some advice to people who are like, you know what, I really want to do that. Or, Hey, I'm struggling to do that because of, of whatever. Yeah. So just to touch on the whole marketing thing before we go move on, I learned it the hard way. Uh, I heard it repeated over and over and over by Bill and multiple other people in the masterminds. Uh, but I just went and did my own thing. Cause I thought, Oh, that doesn't apply to me. I can, do a lot of different marketing and be very successful still. And uh, so I learned it from the school of hard knocks. And so I fully uh, second what you just said about marketing going deep. Um, but about letting God into the business. Uh, so like I said, I remember really getting clear on our numbers and seeing what our business had done for the year. Um, and I just remember one morning, like just being so stressed out and carrying so much weight of like, well, where am I going wrong? What do I need to do? What do I need to change? Like, how, how can I change this? Um, and I don't know really what it was, uh, essentially, but something just came over me and it was like, I need to pray. And, uh, so I remember being in my office, uh, I've got a little chair on the other side of my desk and, uh, sitting in front of that chair on my hands and knees and just praying like, God, I need you in business too. I can't do it without you. Like I can't, can't do anything, uh, without you. And so, uh, that was kind of the, the start of that. Um, and now I typically will, I usually, I pray every night. Uh, but typically I try to pray when I wake up in the mornings as well. Uh, sometimes I don't get up on the right at the right time. So it's like, I'm getting up and going. Uh, but I typically try to pray every night, every morning. Um, and it's, it's my normal prayers for my friends and family and other stuff going on in my life and just everything normal. But there's also a section of the prayer where I just ask for help in business. Um, I ask to become a better leader, a better entrepreneur, um, and lots of things like that, just whatever I'm struggling with at the moment. Um, and I also started being very, very focused on tithing. 
Um, so I tithe out of anything we make personally. And then we, we follow the profit first system now. And so tithe out of any owner draw withdrawals that we take. And then also, um, out of our profits at the end of the quarter. And so I just get very, um, I just got very focused on letting God into my business and trying to be the best Christian that I could both in my personal life and in business. Um, and I'm not a perfect example of that. I mean, there's lots of times that I fall short. Um, there like I have a, in my personal account, uh, or my personal accounts, I have a separate checking account set up just for like tithing and charity. And so I tithe 10% and I take an additional 5% that I use for just odd and charity. Um, and I, we had closed like two deals and I had the money sitting in the account, but I hadn't tithed it. And the past two weeks, we kind of hit a little bit of a dry spell, essentially. Like we're typically a contract or two a week. Um, and we went like one week with no contracts and the next week, like it was Friday evening and we didn't have any contracts that week. And, uh, that evening I was praying and it was just like, I've got to, God, I need you. Like, we've got to do something. We've got to get contracts coming to the door. We can't close deals without new contracts. And so, um, we, I, I don't know what it was. I guess it was the hand of God, but it was something told me like, Hey, you've got money sitting in your account that you haven't tithed. It's sitting there to tithe, but you haven't done anything with it. And like, you need to tithe. And, uh, so when I got done praying, I got up and I came into my office and I pulled everything up and I tithed, uh, what I needed to tithe. And the next morning, Saturday morning, our acquisitions pulled a contract. She doesn't usually work on the weekends, but it was a guy had texted in or something and was like, Hey, can we talk tomorrow morning? She got on the phone and she got a contract signed. And this was just last, last week. Um, so last Friday. And so this past Saturday, and then there's another one that we have one person that's signed, but there's a husband, I believe, that he's supposed to be signed when he gets off work um, today. And so it was that's just kind of like a real real time example of that, of you kind of communicate with God through prayer. And sometimes you can't explain why you have a feeling that you're supposed to do something or change something or whatever it is. But I kind of attribute that to God because I, I pray to him and ask for help in something. And I get some, I don't always get something that's telling me what to do, but every once in a while I get something just like this past week. that's like, Hey, you're, you're slacking over here. You need to be making sure you're doing this or whatever. Um, and so that's kind of how I actively let God into my business is I, I mentioned business every time I pray because that's a big part of my life. Um, and used to, I, I didn't, um, that was business was business, personal is personal. Um, and then I make sure I'm tithing. Uh, so that's, I guess the tactics of that. I really like that. Um, don't compartmentalize your faith. So that's what, yep. that's my takeaway is like, you can, yep. you can't, if you, if you're going to bring, if you're going to let them in, let them into all of it. You get, you get, yep. it, you get it all. You don't get like, Oh yeah, here you get this little bit, but not over here. And, um, I think a lot of people, a lot of people do that and they compartmentalize a lot of different things. Um, so good on you. I think it's, I think it's really great. And I hope that you continue to do that. It's, um, um, I, I, have been feeling the pull for a few years now myself. Right. And, 
uh, having a worship band at Flipacky Live last year was not the easiest decision. It seems like it, when I thought about it from a business side, like what if, what do people think? You know, we had somebody yeah. who joined the runaway program and then was like, Hey, I want my money back. I didn't realize you were a Christian organization and um, stuff like that. But I, I happily and gladly gave them their money back. So yeah. uh, no problem at all. And so um, I know that if, if it wasn't there, it would have been some, some other thing that, that would have, you know, ruffled their feathers or been a, been a problem. Um, so and what's just, next uh, for you? Oh, go ahead. Just to touch on that specifically. So my wife and I, we, we were in the altitude program at that point. Um, and we were, she was my fiance at the time. We got married right after flip back and live. And, uh, she was like, Hey, like, this is a lot of money. Obviously at that point in time, we weren't doing very well. Like she was like, I don't think you need to be spending this money. And she came to flip back and live with me. Uh, she hung out at the pool most of the time, but she came that last day because there was the big surprise that you had talked about and everything. And so I got her excited about it and, uh, they came out and we stayed the whole time and everything. And after that, she was like, Hey, I think if you want to join, you should join and talking about the Top Gun program. Cause I've been talking to her about joining Vaughn's Top Gun program. And so like, that was a big factor, I guess, in her decision uh, on the positive side of not somebody saying like, Hey, I, I want my money back. Uh, I think, cause I wasn't going to do something without her blessing in a sense. Um, but she, she kind of changed her mind after that, uh, and seeing that and being able to sit there and worship with everybody. And so, uh, just a positive takeaway from that for you. I love it. That's awesome to hear. I didn't know that story. So um, I think there's probably a lot of stories like that. Like my, my biggest thing was I just said, you know what, um, whatever happens after that, if, if like one person gets saved because of this, then like how incredible would that be? Like I get to yeah. bring uh, a worship band there. I get to enjoy myself with my son who's going to be in the audience with me. And we're going to be singing and, and, and praying and all this stuff. And, uh, and I, I know plenty of people in our community that will love it. And I didn't tell anybody about it. So it wasn't like a marketing yeah. ploy or uh, like nobody knew. You knew there was a big surprise, but you had no idea who it was, right? Yeah, so, no idea. Um, even my staff, staff didn't know who it was. It was like a huge surprise. There were probably five people on the planet that knew who it was. And, yeah. um, and, and sure enough, three people came up to me afterwards and were like in tears, like in tears, like, oh my gosh, like I haven't been back to church in a long time, but I needed this. I'm going back. This is so amazing. One, one guy's like, I was totally like saved there. I was, I was blown away. So, um, for, for what it's worth, um, it, it was absolutely 100% worth it. And usually the thing that we're so afraid of is actually the thing that's really great and yep. what people really need. So um, for all of you that are out there listening to this, there's something that you're afraid to do. And it really is just that step that you need to take. It's, it's usually the thing that you have to do. Um, to And if you're feeling called or you're feeling some reason or some pull to do it, then when you do it, you'll be very thankful that you did. And, um, and you'll realize that it wasn't that bad and it wasn't that hard. And it was, uh, it, and you look back and you go, man, that should have been easy. And then it becomes easy over time. It just becomes a lot easier and easier and easier to make these kind of decisions. So, yep. um, what's next for you, Colin? Um, what's, uh, what's coming up? What are you excited about? And, uh, where are you going to be when I interview you again next year? Yeah. So, I mean, we're trucking along, um, we're the past two weeks we're feeling a little bit light because we haven't had contracts coming in but i kind of i was talking with our team about that and i was kind of like god i think 
prepared us for this and knew this was coming because we had a couple big deals close um, the past couple months and this month we we had like a $43,000 assignment fee close and then a $45,000 assignment fee close and then a 55. And so even though deal wise, we're not doing like a ton of deals right now, or it, we're still doing deals. It just doesn't feel like we're doing a ton of deals. Um, monetarily we're doing fine because we've had bigger than normal deals close. Um, and so for us, we're just trucking along with the wholesaling side of things. Uh, we're really kind of getting into some of the more creative finance because we have just been cash hammer, cash hammer. Um, so like I just bought a rental subject to um, the existing financing. And so we're kind of exploring that route. And what we're tossing around the idea of right now is essentially building out a flipping arm, but only flipping the subject to deals Um that don't make sense to buy and hold, but we're still producing and bringing in those leads. But those are deals that we're typically trashing um, and building out kind of a flipping arm where we might do a couple flips a year of sub that we can buy subject to uh, and flip and everything like that. Um, so that's probably our next big thing. Uh, I'm trying to still stay very focused. Um, that's like my big, that's my word for the year. My big thing right now is just not getting distracted um so it's kind of a distraction but kind of not because it's converting leads that we're already producing it's not like we're going out on a whole new marketing source or anything like that um but wholesaling and flipping are just such different businesses uh it's it can be hard to do both at scale very hard because they're just very different businesses um so that's probably our next big thing though uh it's just picking up a couple flips where we're actually flipping them um, but it'll pretty much just be those that we can buy sub to that don't make sense or I don't want to buy and hold. Um, so that's kind of where we're headed. Uh, I We've upped our goal technically uh, from the 500,000 to a million to seven figures. And so um, we doubled it and that will be harder to achieve for us. Um, but from where we're at right now, if we can – average 90,000 a month, uh, that'll put us to seven figures for the year. Uh, and March we did 94,000 April, we did $89,995. Uh, and this month we've closed 55,000 so far. Um, so my big thing right now is just focusing and making sure we're hitting that 90 a month mark. Um, and hopefully I'll be walking across stage this fall. Nice. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, we got an award for that. So, yeah. um, but, but I also want that award to mean that you're making money too. So yeah. stay focused on the bottom line. That's a lot of what we've been putting a lot of work into, um, myself, blaze, a lot of the teachings that we're doing, financial management, uh, personal and business finances, all kinds of stuff like that. Making sure that you're paying yourselves, making sure that you're pulling money out, making sure that you're taking money from the business account and, and making yourself financially stable and uh and building up your finances not just the business yep. finances so yeah um, some of my best a, deals go ahead i was just gonna say i've got a little worksheet that i fill out every morning that it has my gross my net and my net percentage and uh this morning we were operating at a 74.9 percent net for the year so uh i'm trying to stay very focused on that net because i realize gross does not matter uh in the grand scheme of things 
for me at least. Uh, I'd rather have a lower gross and a much higher net than a uh, high gross but very little net. So, Awesome. I love that. And uh, for you out there, make sure that you're doing the same. I don't know that 70-some percent is, is realistic for you guys, but um, I love that. This niche list, they really can do well, especially with the small team, small high-performing team. And then um, my biggest thing to you, Colin, is making sure you're pulling that money from the business account back over to the personal side and then yep. intentionally reinvesting it back in the business if it makes sense. Um, all right, everybody, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Colin, I appreciate it. Um, if you guys are listening and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you can go to sevenfigurealtitude.com, the number sevenfigurealtitude.com. Uh, Colin talked about Top Gun. He talked about Runway. He talked about Altitude, all the different programs that we have inside Seven Figure Flipping. Um, you can also just go to sevenfigureflipping.com and see what we've got. We've got stuff for brand new folks. And then the Top Gun program is like our Altitude program on steroids. It's like one-on-one support with a very high-level coach. Uh, we have a couple different coaches that do that. Um, Colin, what are some things that you need right now and how can people reach out to you? I usually give somebody like a couple seconds at the end to do their a little commercial. Is there something you need? Maybe it's money, leads, stuff, stuff like that. Just how can, how can people help you if they're out there going, uh, I want to be a part of what you're doing? Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook, just Colin Spivey uh, and shoot me a message there. That's typically the easiest way to reach me. Um, we're looking for some more private money right now because we are going to be picking up some flips here shortly. Uh, most of them will be subject to, so it'll be kind of a second position type loan, uh, mainly just for catching up arrears and then the rehab. So a little bit smaller rather than the big cash loans. Um, so that might be of interest to some of you. And uh, if you're a buyer in the Middle Tennessee market, reach out to me if you're not on our list because uh, I'd be happy to add you and uh, send you some wholesale deals. Awesome. Love it. All right, everybody. Um, you can check us out at sevenfigureflipping.com. And thank you, Colin, for coming to hang out with me, man. I had a great time. And it's just a lot of really good stuff in here. And I think a lot of people are really going to appreciate it. So um, 21 awesome. years old, absolutely killing it. I'm insanely impressed. And I can't wait to see what you do in the future. So all right, everybody. See you on the next show.